Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, Nuggets fans? Welcome to another episode of Full Court Press, brought to you by the Denver Stiffs podcast channel, part of the new SB Nation podcast network. I'm your host, Brendan Vogt, and boy am I stoked to be recording this intro on the other side of that Laker game. After three straight losses, things got a little depressing here in Nugget land, but knocking LeBron James and the Lakers out of the playoffs, that'll turn things around real quick. The starters look good, and yeah, there's stuff to figure out with the bench, but man, it, I think it, you can only be excited about this Nuggets team heading into the playoffs. And at this point, friends, it's it's a near lock. We're going to see it. We're going to see Nuggets playoff basketball this season. We're going to see how Murray, Harris, Jokic look under the bright lights. I can't wait, and I'm so excited. And here's my professional transition this week. I'm really excited because the team is so good on the court, and there seems to be this, this peak in terms of their cultural footprint here in Denver People really seem to be caring. People are rocking jerseys. They're going to watch parties. It's a fun time to be a Nuggets fan, especially so because I think we've entered this point now where the local media covering the team is about as good as it's ever been. Yes, this is always going to be a Broncos town. And yes, you're going to struggle to get Nuggets talk on the television and the radio. But that's why we have people like Nick Cosmeter, who is the Nuggets beat writer for The Athletic, and he was my guest this week on Full Court Press. Nick has done an excellent job writing both the sort of on the court and in the locker room stories, but also the bigger picture stuff. This is what I consider to be Nick's bread and butter is the macro scale storytelling. He's a real traditional journalist. So I was lucky to get to know Nick over uh, training camp, the week of training camp back in September. The Nuggets were in San Diego and TJ, Adam, Nick and I had a house and that was really my first time getting to know Nick. He was stuck with me for a full six or seven days, a lot of alcohol involved. So, you know, I'm surprised he likes me at all, surprised he agreed to do this podcast, but I'm glad he did because it was a lot of fun. We had a great discussion on the coexistence of of blog boys like me and real traditional journalists like Nick on the same beat. Now, we talked about the challenges of doing that macro scale storytelling that Nick is so good at and the possibility of that maybe being a dying art as people like me try to become the next Zach Lowe or whatever how many people are, are less concerned with on and off rating and more concerned with storytelling? Nick's one of them. So I enjoyed his perspective on that. And we talked about the challenges of, of being your own critic and, and, and really pushing yourself as a journalist as well, especially in the social aspects of the game. So I really appreciated Nick's perspective on all of this. I think as bloggers, we're really lucky to have, you know, some of the big fish writers in town be so receptive to what we do. And you'll hear Nick talk a little bit about his attitude and his perspective on people like me. So I think all together between the blog brigade, Mike Singer at the post, Nick Cosmerty at the athletic and, you know, what coverage you get on altitude. It's a great, great time to be a Nuggets fan. And there's a lot of content out there to consume. So I will I will not hold you up any longer. Without further ado, here is Full Court Press with Nick Cosmeter. 
dig back to that San Diego week a little bit. Because first of all, man, I'm excited about this. Just to hang out with you, to get some one-on-one time. I, wa- I really desperately want to be your friend, Nick. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> hey, man, you don't have to be desperate. The athletic. You're big time, man. Oh, please, give me a break. We That week in uh, San Diego, which was training camp, right? The start of yeah. training camp. Yeah, was that end of September? Oh, sounds right. To yeah. Me. I don't know. It all blurs together. Right. But that was the first time you and I really hung out in any capacity. So it was... You, Adam, TJ McBride, and myself in a house for about six days. Yeah. Is that right? And that was because you, like last year, you came on. Um, what, like, when did you start covering the team last year? January of last year. January. I got credentialed. Yeah. Okay. See, I, and I was in, I was on, that was the one year I spent on the football beat um, at the post. I was, so I was covering the Broncos last year. So I had originally started covering the, the uh, Nuggets in February of 2017. Uh, okay. That's when Chris Dempsey, who was the post beat writer, left to take a job at Altitude TV, um, and um, they put me on the Nuggets beat. I was thrilled. I mean, basketball has always kind of been my my jam. That no was pun intended. One question. Um, I ask. Yeah. So that I was really excited about it, and so I covered it that year from February through the end of that season. They missed that. They were 40, 40, 40 and forty two, missed the playoffs by a game, um, and then I went into the summer covering the team, and then it was in that summer. Um, that they basically said, hey, we need you to go cover the Broncos. And so um, I was not there for most of last year. Um, obviously came in at the at the end once I joined the Athletics. So that's probably why we, we didn't really connect up until the, this September. Yeah, you were one of those names. There's a bunch of names I always heard when I first got here. And some of the old blo- like Nate Timmons, I heard your name right. all the time, mostly from TJ, but just like guys who I kind of knew were around, but I'd never gotten a chance to meet you. When you were switched on that post beat to football what was that like for you were you disappointed well so you know you kind of look at it two ways was when I started at the post um I'll just go back a little bit I, I when I started at the post it was it was 2013 um it was uh, June of 2013 I was still pretty early in my career I had graduated from Arizona State in the in December of 2010 uh, my first job out of college was uh, a postgrad internship with MajorLeagueBaseball.com. I was covering the Rockies. That's how I first came out to Denver. So I'm spending that that one season in 2011 um, covering the Rockies, getting really great experience. It's a really good internship. Uh, if you're in college or you're serious about writing, it's 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 one you should go for. Um, so, but anyway, that's how I kind of got into the Denver scene. Loved it. Loved the city. Um, loved a lot of the you know the media per- people that I met. Um, but at the end of that season, uh, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a job ready for a, you know, a guy out of college. Um, and so I, you know, sent out my resume, ended up getting a job in Lubbock, Texas. And I, I went out there and I covered Texas Tech basketball, Texas Tech football. I was there for about 18 months. And then I just decided to come back. I, I was, uh, I wasn't really, I wasn't really a Lubbock person. Yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> yeah, I needed the city, you know. I just, I just, and I just loved it here. And it, obviously, my now wife, uh, I met her um, during my time doing the internship in 2011. So we dated long distance for about 18 months, and we were both just ready for that to be over. Yeah. And so she, you know, she was going to nursing school out here. So I said, I'll come out, and um, I got it. I got a job at the post because Troy Rank, who used to cover the used to cover the Rockies, and then eventually the Broncos at the post. Um, I'd gotten to know him while I was doing my internship, and so he said, "You know, I, you know, I, I think you got good work, 
good work ethic. Um, you know, if, if there's anything I can ever do to help, let me know. So I, I contacted him when I got back, and so he kind of did some digging at the post and found a job as like a part-time agate clerk, which essentially means you're like filling in the box scores. Right. <laughs> right. So I'd already done this like writing. Um, not exactly the dream. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. So it, it, it's it's one of those situations in life where you you kind of you take a step back to go forward again. Because I, right. I I mean I had already been you know I would covered Major League Baseball. I had I had had my own major college you know beat, and here all of a sudden I'm like. You know, and are you thinking at this point it's it's straight ahead, right? It's like maybe not linear, but right. you've turned some corners. And well, my, yeah, exactly. My thought was just like I'm going to get in here. Like I know what I can do. So like I'm going to get in here, just get my foot in the door, mm-hmm. and show them. You know, take kind of punch down opportunities to write. And once I do that, we'll show them that they should have me in a in a different position. And that's eventually what happened. It took longer than I would want to. It wasn't until you know I had been doing freelance. Basically, the way it worked is I worked part time, but then they would allow me to freelance okay. during the other time I wasn't working and get paid as a, like a freelancer. Um, and, and so there was pretty ample work doing that. So I was able to kind of keep that, you know, writing muscle, you know, strength strengthened or whatever. Um, but yeah, so eventually it was it was August of 2016 when I finally became a full time writer at the Post. So I'm almost th- a little more than three years after going back there. Now I'm a full time writer. The first beat they put me on is actually. Uh, back on the Rockies, I was their number two for about two months at the end of the 2016 season, um, and then I transitioned that year covering uh, the University of Colorado football team, and um, that was the year that they won the Pac-12 South, went to the Alamo Bowl. It was a, it was a fun year, um, and then it was it, again. So that took us up to February 2017, and and I got on the beat. Like I said, I loved it. So yeah, when they come, when they, my boss came to me in the summer of 2017. I had already gone to summer league. I was, you know, I had all these ideas about starting coverage for the 2017-18 season, um, and you know, he said, "Listen, we, we, I want, I want to put my best writers on on this beat where it's it's the most it's the most trafficked beat in town. You know, it hasn't taken you long to live here to know the Broncos. It's a Broncos town. Yeah. So, um, so you know, so part of that is it, it's it's flattery, right? Like, they're you're you know they're saying you." You do a good job of what you do. We want you telling stories on that beat. That's and where you're going to be important beats. So right, you're going to be read more. All those kind of things. So it's it's nice. And it was a it was I think it was a good experience to um, to cover the NFL because it's a situation where there's so many people covering that team that you really have to challenge yourself to find, find your niche exactly to yeah. find an avenue to find unique angles. Um, and, and how sorry to interrupt. No, no, is please. it difficult to like. Football's different. I mean, so many players, first of all, so many names. But also, like, coming from a, I guess you could say, a basketball background, at least from fandom, was it difficult to cover football, or does writing translate for you across sports? Yeah, I think, you know, because my my whole thing with with writing is I I do think you can – it helps you if you're really – if you feel connected to the game you're covering, I think that helps. I think it helps you allow kind of feel the soul of the game a little bit more. Um, but at the same time, what, what, uh, to me, writing about sports is sort of a w- way to relay the, the, the human condition yes. to people. Yeah. And, and so that doesn't really change whether you're covering the NFL, the NBA, you know, high school girls field hockey, um, whatever the case might be. You're, it's, it's really all about, to me, um, being a conduit between athletes and, and, and people who are you know, inspired by their stories or, or at least find a way to relate to their stories. So in that regard, it didn't really change much. Um, I just, the, the thing with football is just like you, 
when a team is losing in football or they've lost a game, they you, you're it's the whole week is just like this. Right. You know, right. you're just sitting in this law in this you know just cloud of defeat. Like we're doing now after three straight losses <laughs> with the Nuggets. Right. Panic at the disco. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's just like, and especially when a football team is bad, man, it's like. There's nothing worse than a football team being out of it because you wait so long for the games to come, and then the game comes and the game doesn't even matter at that point. Right, so it's just right. like, um, it, it, and and of course, you know, the Broncos have all have had all this success. I come on the beat. They're <laughs> yeah. five and eleven. Good <laughs> so, yeah. um, so anyway, that that like so. Long story short, it was one of those things where I, I was, you know. I felt flattered by the opportunity, but when when the when the subsequent opportunity came last April to join the athletic, to get to write about basketball, and to do it in a way that I really appreciate, which is to kind of take a step back, be able to take a bigger picture lens, to, to really take your time on stories. How did, just generally speaking, how did they approach you? Like, what was that process like? Yeah, so it was, again, it was like last, I think it was like last March when they first got a hold of me. Um, you know, I, I think, as you know, now the athletic is in just about every major city in the country. But at, at that time, even just, yeah, we're like, what, 11 months ago now, um, or almost a year ago when they contacted us, we were still, they were still in a somewhat infant stage. They were, they probably had half as many markets as they do now. And Denver was all, always a plan, but I don't think they would have gotten into Denver as soon as they did if it weren't for um, the tumultuous kind of... Um, Media landscape. Era, media landscape, yeah. whatever you want to call it, that was going on at the Post. Yeah. Um, they had just announced that they would be doing major layoffs to, like, a third of the newsroom. Which is, like, jackpot to the athletic. Yeah, right? you know, and I, and I think, too, like, the, it, sometimes, like, it gets, a, like, a, a bad rap saying that they came in to just, like, pillage newspapers. It wasn't about that. To me, they've done a service to the industry because right. you have all these people who have left newspapers to join the athletic well in in a large sense those papers have continued to hire writers to fill those positions right. so that to me they've added jobs to this industry they haven't taken jobs away or they and, haven't and from you know, the outside i mean you obviously know better than i i mean what's the criticism it just seems like they're offering writers what they need to do their jobs i mean yeah I, yeah it's 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 a good it's a good form i mean at the end of the day it's and it's not like the thing is it's like we're not to me it's not like breaking the mold of in terms of like they're not you're not doing the the job super differently. I, I think there's a lot of great journalists at a lot of institutions that just like, they just want to have a chance to do what they do well, which is right. pursue stories, write about things they care about. What what The Athletic allows us to do is kind of cut out cut out some of the noise, the like, the, the game recaps, the grades, the, you know, just some of the stuff that has become, I think, um, you know, just a departmental part of yeah. what you just like do in the newspaper. Be- yeah, yeah, because you've just always done it. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, and, and to me, it's just a, it's just a matter of like getting to do it the way you want to do it. Uh, at the end of the day, you still have to do the same things. I mean, you have to you have to build relationships. You have to stay on top of what you're doing. Um, so yeah, so that so that part of it, I think, is is the same. It's just you know the format is a little better, and I, I actually get to watch the fourth quarter of games now. Right, right, yeah, because <laughs> you're not writing games, not writing on deadline. Because you don't. I, we've talked about this before but you you don't seem to there's no like you have to write tonight right right for you personally I mean, what's your yeah so so basically that yeah that's the thing is like there it's not it's not about like you know writing every day um or about every game you know i think travel wise i'll at the by the end of the season i'll probably end up having gone to 25 to 26 of the 41 road games so not their every road game but for most um and, and really being on the road 
is more a matter of like having an opportunity. I mean, you you know, you got to go to that game in, in Utah. When you're on the road, there's just a little bit like better access 100%. to the team. The guy seems maybe less guarded they're, almost. They're le- it's they're a little bit looser. They're not like their time is a little more free. Yeah. You know, afterwards, I, I think when guys are at home. Um, they're so regimented. If like we have a shoot around, then then this then after that I go directly home. I take my nap. I do whatever it is. Whereas on the road, you tend to have a little more flexibility with how you talk to guys. Right. There's fewer faces around, you yeah, know. Yeah. So um, you're not you're not having to elbow your way into into conversations as much as you might when when they're at home. So part of that being on the road is just being able to continue to to build and be around it. Um, but yeah, but but in terms of like writing, it, it's more of like the planned out stuff of like. I have this idea for a feature. Now I might use what happened in a game to sort of help me craft this story, but it's not going to. I'm not just going to give you an account of what you just watched because you just watched it. Right. Um, And and so our 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 aim is to yeah to just kind of take it beyond that. Um, And you know so instead of maybe writing a story every day, right three stories a week that you you know you put your time into and then I'm typically always working on something e- even longer term like throughout the week like, like a bigger feature or yeah like a, yeah like an even like a big enterprise story yeah, or something yeah. like that um, you know that that's sort of um, you know that's sort of another aspect of it what do you consider your sweet spot the last piece you wrote was a basketball piece right yeah. it had clips it was about what happened on the court in the locker room but to me I it seems like you excel at some of the more bigger picture stuff, the human interest stuff. Do you have a preference in terms of like what you can really sink your teeth into and what you take pride in? Yeah, I I think I mean my my favorite stories to tell or my favorite writing to do is is to be a storyteller. Yeah. To really dig into somebody's to, to what makes athletes tick. I I think that's what's so unique about I mean guys who make it to this level. Um, they are. You know they're they're great athletes. Number one, like you're not you're not here without that. But but I think also most guys that get this level get to this level have have uncommon things that drove them to get here mm-hmm. um, that allowed them to reach this level. And I really enjoy tapping in tapping into that. And um, you know, like perfect example when we were in uh, when we were in San Diego, one of the first features I did this this year, like one of the bigger picture features um, that I took my time on was. Uh, was a profile of Gary Harris. Now you've been around long enough to know that Gary Harris is not a quote machine. No. He's he's not a guy you go to if you want some colorful tale of what's going on with the team or in the locker room. He's a three to five word kind of yeah, guy. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So he's he's just I mean he's just kind of like a pros pro. He you know he he's, he keeps it he keeps it simple. Um, you know he he he's been he's been media trained for a really long time. Um, so if you're gonna write a story about a person like that, my my view is almost almost irrespective of of the kind of how colorful a guy is the best way to tell a story to me is to tell it around a person yeah like so you if you really want to cultivate a good feature about somebody you have to know you have to talk to people at all different elements of their lives um who 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 know them in different lights you went all the way back to high school and college right? yeah yeah you know and sometimes like you can pull a thread and, and and get to know one person that's connected to somebody and then you can start unraveling that and really having them help you um you know get connected to other people what i always try to do when i when i talk to somebody for a story is say who else should i talk to who who else who else can speak to this well yeah and you know not not be afraid to be like you know just kind of play dumb like i you know who who, who else you know who else is in this guy's life what what else do i need to know if i if you were writing this story if you were me what what do i need to know you know kind of having them walk you through it and so yeah that one was able to take me through 
you know, his, his longtime trainer, um, you know, his college coach, his high school football coach, um, you know, it's obviously some of his teammates now, some of his former teammates. Um, so again, you're, you're able to just sort of, I think, paint a picture, um, you know, because a lot of guys aren't, aren't interested uh, talking about themselves. Yeah, in, cer- right. yeah, in certain moments, I, I think I think our job a lot is about timing too. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, and trying to give guys heads up that you're trying to talk about something maybe a little deeper than what's going on uh, at a given time. But that 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 to me is the stuff I like to do because it's it challenges you to keep to keep digging a little bit further. When I graduated college, um, I had a friend who had gone to the University of Missouri. And she knew that my favorite writer um, is Wright Thompson. He's a senior profile writer yeah. for ESPN.com. Yeah. I've always been a huge fan of his work, um, just you know, sort of the way that he, you know, he paints pictures with with how he writes. Um, and so apparently, she she knew a professor at University of Missouri who knew Wright well. And uh, long story short, she got she got found a way to have him. Um, he wrote me a letter when I graduated college. Again, I, I didn't met him, but he, he wrote me this letter that I actually just came across again the other day. Um, but just talking about how like this writing is, it's like a labor of love. I mean, it's, um, it's not really about the sport. It's, it's, right. it's, about, it's about the human element. It's about the stories. And his, his whole thing was like, whenever you think you're done with a story, make one more phone call. Hmm. You know, re- reach out to one more person that, that might un- – because there's a lot of times where I'll have a story, I feel like, yeah, this is good. And then I'll talk to somebody else and be like, man, unlock something completely different. I think the biggest thing you want to do when you write a, a – pro- when you're going to go write a profile of somebody is to go in there with an open mind, not not think that this is going to be the angle I take. Right, um, right. And it's the same thing even after – if you're writing a story after a game – don't necessarily go into a locker room and say, this is what I'm going to write about. I mean, you can have an idea, but really just be open to what people are telling you. Ask open-ended questions um, and, and not paint somebody into a corner of what you think you want them to say or mm. what you think their story is, but really just try to, to, to really open yourself up to whatever way it could go. It's interesting because there are times where I'm th- thinking, man, I wish I was more prepared. Like, I wish I knew which four or five exact questions I want to ask. But like you said, there's there's some danger in that. Because the other night, I there was this one question I kept asking, and it, like, occurred to me. Like, I'm f- maybe I'm getting the quotes I need, but, like, I'm forcing this story. Yeah. And that can sort of be a hard thing to balance of, like, you don't want to just not have a game plan and ask a dumb question, which is surprisingly easy to do. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, also, like you said, if you have too much, you can – sometimes the story presents itself to you. you right. And, and and I think it, it is it is a balance because, you, like you said, preparation is always, always important. Like, you, the last thing you want to do is, is go talk to a player um, and ask them about something, whether it's something that happened in a game or, or a trend that has been occurring over a certain amount of time and, and – not know what you're talking about or, or, or have, you know, have your numbers wrong or just being just sort of like basing it like anecdotally you see, oh, you guys are, you know, really struggling to shoot mid-range jump shots, you know, because that might, you might have been watching him and you just think that, well, then you go, you go and look and it's like, nah, actually you guys are like, you yeah. know, top third of the league yeah, and, you yeah. know, have even done, you know, so, so whatever the case might be. So I, I, I think preparation is key. I, I, I think the balance there is just saying, you know, this this is something that's happened on the court. What what do you make of it? What I mean, do you, or do you do you think that's a thing? I've heard you say sometimes like, um, you know, am I making too much of this? Is this a thing? And right. you and you tend to get sometimes will be like, yeah, you are. Sometimes will be like, no, that that is that is an issue that we're that we're running into. So, 
Um, yeah, I, I think the key in, in any interview setting, whether it's you're, you're trying to, to run down a profile or you're trying to write about a game, is, is again, I think just approaching it with, with an open mind, having your own set of facts, because you're going to tell a story. You're an observer of what's going on. You've made yourself an expert on what's going on. So there's going to be a lot of what you put into it. But I also think that, again, um, being open-minded about what's going on and, and kind of keeping your ears perked to, to things you might not have thought of, um, I, I think is also an important element of it. I want to run back to something you were saying earlier about not being afraid or, or being willing to make another phone call, right? A- ask who else can I talk to? I think it's interesting because there are a lot of people now who are in my position in this game, which is I don't have a journalism background, um, educationally or otherwise, really. And so I'm sort of writing about the team and around the team. There's a certain fearlessness to your end of it that I think maybe I'm sort of hesitant to engage in. I'm very much in like, don't get fired, don't get kicked out <laughs> mode, you know what I mean? And you don't want to bug people. But would you, would you, is it the case that you kind of need to be, maybe not assertive, but relatively aggressive in terms of asking for what you want and, and not being afraid to dig around? It is, but, and it, and it's, but it's, I, I, it's a struggle for me too. Like I, I even now, like I've been doing this for a while, but you always, <laughs> I always tend to fight that myself. Like, and, and I've definitely gotten better. Um, but you're like, yeah, like you get those thoughts in your head of like, oh, do I really want to, you know, is, I'm going to bug this person right. by calling them to talk right. about this thing. Um, but what I've really come to understand is that people really appreciate and they can tell the difference. Like if you write, if you write about somebody and you really go, you really go above and beyond to, um, to talk to people, to really tell their story, even if even if there's elements of it that they're they might not love that were talked about, I think there's an appreciation level there that you put in the work. Um, mm. pe- like coaches, athletes, they they respect when you've when you've worked on something. Um, you know, one of the pieces I did during the, the off season was it was about Calvin Booth, and you know I went into this. He was the assistant general man. He's the assistant general manager of the Nuggets. Um, he was he was in the Minnesota front office for about four years before he came to Denver. Uh, knew he was a former player, seven foot one, you know. Just so I went into this interview, kind of just not really knowing anything about Calvin, and, and just kind of wanting to get an idea of who he was. Um, and what I ended up writing about was just this like thing he had mentioned almost offhand offhandedly about this trip that he had taken to Ireland with Tim Conley, um, and he was just he was he literally just said that almost as a parenthetical to say, like, I've known Tim for a long time. Right. He's in, opened up a lot of doors to me. Well, as I looked at that trip, I found out that, that Calvin made it a couple times that he befriended a guy who ran a kind of fledgling uh, basketball club in Ireland, a, a small pro club in Ireland, um, and they struck up this friendship, and Cal kind of kept going back to Ireland and, like, you know, this club that, that wanted to learn about the game but really didn't have a lot of resources to the NBA, he's coming and he's helping them run camps and um, just making this genuine connection to this part of the world that, um, you know, is a complete and total basketball afterthought. Um, and and so, I, so I, I, you know, I figured out the long distance formula to be able to call this guy at, at whatever time that this guy that he had befriended, um, talked to his son who was a young player um, in that club. I found a 
a player who had been one of the the alums of this of this club in Ireland who now plays college basketball in the United States. So you're just like, and, and when you're doing a story like that, it starts to get exciting. You're just yeah. like, there's so many, there's they're always pulling on the string. And there's, there's so more, many layers. Yeah. There's always more layers. Like that's the thing. Like, we, like all of our stories are complicated. They're not. It's not. It's not just like this simple one simple thing happened and then this happened and now we're here. Like there's always there's always like a lot of rich layers to how things go down. And so the more you start to like, it's almost like you, um, it's almost like the dam starts to break. Like when you when you start chipping away and, and talking to people, and that's when it becomes exciting. Um, you know, one of the great stories about Wright Thompson that I read um, that I still remember all the time is um, it was a story he he was writing about all the people who had been defeated by Muhammad Ali. But there was one there was one guy, um, and I can't remember his name right now. But there was one guy who like was basically there was no record of who he was and like where he was or what became of him. And, and so it became this sort of like wild goose chase for Wright to find this guy. And he was like from Liberty City, Miami. So this like really, you know, kind of violent, underprivileged community in Miami. Um, you know, so he, he talked to like street hustlers and, you know, different people who, who might have some idea of who this guy was, who, um, you know, who had been through all these kind of like, you know, rocky, rocky relationships and just run-ins with the law. Um, and and if, he never he never actually f- is able to find this guy, but just the hunt of the story. And every time he thought he was getting closer, it was just like it ramps you up yeah. even further. And to me, when I'm reporting a really good story or, or what I feel like is a good story, it's you start to feel that excitement of like everything that you're doing is leading you to something else. And that's that's what helps you kind of get over that like anxiousness about right. calling people or about bugging people, just knowing that it's it's an avalanche that can fall if you ask the right question if you find the right person that can really unlock a story that's really interesting do do you think there is a a lack of that approach to sports writing these days where there are so many people again in my position who maybe want to be the next zach Lowe or tell you what the net ratings are or whatever it does seem to me that there's almost been um, not the death of, but a hit to the sort of traditional sports writing. Hey, we don't have to be experts on basketball. Let's tell stories. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think there's not as much, I feel like there's not quite as much profile writing yeah. now. Um, I mean, there, there's still, there are still great writers who, who, are, who are doing these things, um, who are writing stories like this. Um, you know, Lee Jenkins comes to mind as somebody who now, right. you know, well, now the Clippers gone. stole yeah. him away. Um, but it's it, a strange, uh, such a strange hire. It is. It's interesting. Re- yeah. I, and I, yeah. And, and but there's no Lee Jenkins to write the Lee Jenkins story. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there there's so many great like bas- There's still great basketball profile writers, you know, out there. Like we we saw Jackie uh, McMullen be out here in Denver and put together a, a, a great profile of, right. of Jamal Murray. Um, so I mean that that to me is it, it's it's less out there because I, I think that there are, you know, there's audiences that want you know just they want it on a in a headline or in a you know I'm not I'm not, and I'm not lamenting what where we've come like it, it this there I feel like there is more fans engaged with the sport now you know than ever and, yeah. and more people with with more knowledge um, you know and my thing is like I I don't know like. I, I don't know how to like, you know, create all these like mathematical formulas or to like yeah. find my way around synergy to just to find numbers. Like I, I like to use numbers to help augment stories and help tell stories. Um, but to me, like writing a deep profile, there's something satisfied about it. Like when you're when you're done doing that, 
because uh, it's usually a, a week or two week long pursuit, if, if not longer. A lot of times it, it could be longer if you're working on something. Um, that That's my favorite part of, of, of the job. That, that's what I enjoy doing more than anything else. Going back to San Diego now, one of my favorite conversations, I mean, not, not that I remember it super well now, <laughs> but one of my favorite conversations we had uh, towards the end of the night was about the, the blogosphere, like the idea that you and I might exist in the same space and be covering the same team. And I really like your perspective on it, and I, I really like the way you've always treated us as bloggers. Your nose has certainly not been up in the air or anything like that. Was there any, like, you go on the football beat and you come back and you've got this athletic job now and there's just, like, a bunch of little rugrats running around, like, blogging. Is there any sort of, like, man, what the hell is this? No, or? man, not at all. Like, I, I, I think that... Um, you know, it, it's cool. So I grew up in a, like in a town, and I actually the way I look at it is I even wish that I had been more exposed. And I, and I think now my the the school that I went to, the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism, has created these more avenues for um, journalism students to cover, to like to cover pro sports and, and to kind of to dip their foot in that pool like earlier on and just get exposed to it. Um, and and like that that was what I got with that internship. And I was probably that guy where people were like, oh, there's this young whippersnapper here, like, you know, trying to come in and, and, and whatever. He doesn't know anything. Um, but I, I enjoy it, man. I, I think people bring, like, really fresh perspective, um, you know. And, and, again, like, people people consume, like, whether content, media, you know, journalism, how, however you want to define it, in all sorts of different ways. Yeah. And, um, I mean, and it's – to me, like, it's it's uh, um, to I mean to a degree, the more the merrier in terms of like creating opportunities for, um, you know, for people to come in and do these things. I view it as myself. Like, I hope that I'm somebody who a I definitely don't have all the answers, n- nowhere close to it. But like, am somebody that I would want people that come in and are young and are like getting that opportunity to be a person that says, hey, like. How how am I doing? Or, right. or like, is there any way that you think that I could do this better? Like, yeah. you know, I hope that I have that vibe of like, I'm here to help. You know, like, um, you know, I I want to help build up guys who who, who really care about this as a craft. Um, you know, I, you you sometimes see people I think who are around, you know, just to kind of be around the game or the league, um, or or whatever whatever aspect of it is it that it is. Um, but you can tell people who are really trying to do like the writing or, you know, the podcasting, whatever, whatever the avenue is, and, and really like trying to consume that as a craft and, and get better at it. So it, if and I see people like that, like that's that's really the only bar for me to be like, yeah, I, I appreciate having I mean, you around. Yeah. yeah, because that's that to me is what it's all about. If you're if you're making strides to try to get better at it, um, I, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I talk about this with uh, Adam a lot. And. You know, there are so many of us, but, it, it, you know, we're not necessarily directly competing, even though it may seem that way sometimes. I know the Nuggets pie isn't the biggest pie to be cutting slices from in terms of fandom and engagement, but, <clears throat> you know, like you, the, the the way you write is different than the way Harrison writes, which is different than what I'm trying to do and Adam's yeah. trying to do. And I just think there's a way in which everybody can eat. And if we do it right, we can help lift each other up. And it gets to the point where okay, the national media, the local radio media, maybe they don't care about this team, but the six or the seven of us do. And if we help make each other better, 
we can be the people that help, you know, bring attention to this team and what's going on, like, collectively. Yeah. And so I, one of the things I like about this community is there's not a ton of, I think we're all internally competitive, but we all seem to be here, like, to help each other and have fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, like, I'm definitely competitive. Um, you know, like, if, uh, you know, if, if Mike Singer or somebody else is to, like, you know, write a really good story, you know, then you like, you sort of give them that like begrudging high five, yeah, you know good what job, I mean? Dude. Yeah. It is, it is. And that's what it is. I, I, I think it's like, it's a friendly rivalry and you, and you should have that. I, I, I think in the NBA, um, the perfect example of this, the last few years was the, the group in Cleveland. I mean, you had Dave McMenamin at ESPN, Joe Varden at cleveland.com and Jason Lloyd at, at the athletic. And before that, I believe he worked at the Toledo paper. Um, but so you have these three guys who are really, really talented journalists who are covering the biggest star in, in the game and, and maybe in any sport. So, but they were like, those three are like notoriously like best friends. Right. Um, but they were also fiercely competitive with one another. And, and when one of them would get a scoop, it would be like, Hey man, screw you. Yeah, <laughs> but no, for sure. Good job, asshole. That's kind of how I felt when you wrote that Welsh piece. Yeah. I was like, oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> it's good. Though. Yeah, no, that that's. I mean, that, but that's. I think that's the way that it like that it should be. I mean, to me, like I'm, I'm my big, and I've actually been think like talked about this and felt this way like a lot lately. But like, I'm my own biggest critic, um, for sure. I think when it comes to, to trying to to, you know, win on a daily basis, like. You know, you have a. It's funny, like the 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 story, and we all have like metrics that show us how well our stories perform and all that kind of stuff. But the, my my last like major profile I did was was at the All Star uh, at All Star break, uh, a profile of, of Michael Malone going back to his like early days, and um, you know, work a long time on that, and you get done, and you're like, you have that that thing of like, oh man, I just I just I just put a good one in, like, good day's work, I feel good about it, it you know, it performs pretty well. And then you're just like, like shit. Well, what now? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that like, I and then think, twelve hours later, that yeah, new cycle has changed. Oh my gosh! You know what yeah. I mean? it's like, yeah, I know. And it's just like, it, it's one of those situations where um, you're just like, you're you're wanting to constantly push yourself. And I feel like the more like I do a story that I feel good about and that, that maybe people enjoy or whatever, like the the more I'm having a feeling of like. I gotta find another one. Yeah, and um, so that's that's what's kind of constantly pushing me, and and it does it, it is it helps that when when you have other people who are working on the beat who are putting out really good stuff um, to be like, well, damn, now that I that's another working. it's yeah. another thing. I mean, I, I'm my own biggest motivator in that, but I think when you have other people do this do it too, that it only helps kind of fuel that of like oh, I really got to get it going. Um, but 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 I also just to finish that thought. I think at the same time, um, it, it's like you said though of like kind of being in your own avenue, and not necessarily like worrying about what other people are doing. Because if I'm going to work a pro, like sometimes I think people can get like there's some sort of like big story happens or or you know like a a moment in a game that they win or that they lose that feels big and you like other people are writing so you don't want to like you feel like you need to capture this too yeah but there's times i think where if you step away from that and say well i'm gonna like a perfect example we just had a guy write um a story that did really well on our site was about the the signing of bryce harper so like the day of this the day of this story he had he had kind of like a brief you know a brief story on, on the matter but over the next couple days while people were writing x 
A, B, and C aspect of the Bryce Harper situation, all these little nuanced pieces, he was like going to work to, to find like the the um, sort of the very origin of like how the phone calls took place, got all these amazing details about how it all came together, and then three or four days later hits this piece that is sort of now like the definitive this is how it happened. And so he fought that urge to, in this moment, like just get something out to get something out right. and said, I'm going to take the time on this. If the moment might have momentarily passed, like people are still going to be very interested to dive back into it in three or four days um, if, you ha- if, if you're able to advance the story. Right, right. Yeah. And that's so, so that, that's sort of another way that I view it, view it as is like I'm only going to write it now if, if I feel like I have something – different to add to it and if I don't right now then I'm going to work on it and I'm going to bring bring something new to the table right not know? just write the not just be the fourth person to write the yeah. Paul Millsap saves the day piece right whatever. so yeah, um, yeah and, and so that's part of it sometimes you'll ask questions like in a press conference or you know after a practice or whatever um, that you don't even necessarily like know exactly where that's going to go in a story um, you know but the way I do it is every day that I'm you know doing interviews whether it's after a practice or before or after a game, I keep a running Google sheet of like every transcription of every interview that's done throughout the season. And I kind of label them into different categories. And so that when it comes time for me to like write a profile, well, now I'm going back and you I'm, can just go back I'm looking and seeing what, yeah. what do I have that speaks to this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it tends to be a way to like, you know, or even if it's, if it's, I'm in an arena and I'm, I, I see an anecdote um, or I just see a scene, I'll, you know, I'll write that down and kind of file it away. So now I can go back. If something were big were to happen, um, you know, I feel like I can collect all these things and, and, and give myself a well-rounded way of, like, explaining the story. Right, right. You, you say you're your own biggest critic. In your own eyes, what is the biggest challenge you face doing this, or where's the most room for growth? Um, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I think the room for growth is, um, you know, I, I always think I can get better at, like, building more relationships, um, you know, being that person who can, um, you know, kind of just schmooze with everybody yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and build relationships that way. That That's, I think, I'm naturally a little bit introverted, so part of that is, is getting out of your shell and um, not being afraid, like you said earlier, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm... I'm just a pain in the ass if I'm bugging people all the time. But it comes with the job. And again, I think if you, you know, people respect the hustle. They really do. They respect the hustle because that's what they're all doing. Um, So I think that part of it comes into play where, um, you know, just having that confidence. That's something I'm always striving to do is just be more confident in what I'm doing, knowing that I can do it well. And just using that as a way to be like, um, this is how I'm going going to attack this day or this story or, or whatever um, is just continuing to have that confidence that you can you can do it and again with with everything else writing is so much about um, about practice and it's like anything else you want to be good at you got to do it all the time and you have to do it in a way again that you're pushing yourself and you're not you're not settling um, like one of the one of the one of the guys that really helped me uh, his name is Benjamin Hockman and he's a columnist at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, right, yeah. but he was here in Denver for a long time. And when I first started at the Post, he was uh, – he, he actually – when I started at the Post in 2013, I think he was just leaving the Nuggets beat to become a columnist. And um, But he um, 
he always really pushed me, especially with like with the lead that you're gonna write. Like, so your your lead is 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 sort of the the the, the window to, to what's inside, the window to the story. And if that window is just like, you know, kind of dull panes or you know like foggy or whatever the case might be, like nobody's gonna be trying to like peer inside. Like yeah, you you yeah. have to make the house, the outside of the house, like a showstopper, like something to to look at. He he always kind of. Uh, he he described it as writing the meth lead, mm. like <laughs> the thing that'll just you know you know yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's probably pretty inappropriate. But, uh, <laughs> so that that was just sort sort of his explanation. <clears throat> and the biggest thing was to me, just having that in your mind of like don't settle for just like writing something. Right. Like battle yourself to like make it good. It's not a homework assignment. You're not here to fill. Yeah, the page, and right? and we and we all tend to we all tend to fall into that. For and, sure. And it's it's a hard thing not to like. All right, I got to get this done. Like don't make. Don't make this thing a transaction. Like, take your time. Especially, most of us write for the internet, right? right so, right, like, right. don't don't put yourself on this like ridiculous timeline of I just got to get something out. Like, take ten extra minutes and like look at your lead and say like, does this really grab somebody? Like, if somebody just read the first two paragraphs of this or the first two graphs, are they gonna want to keep reading? Yeah. Damn, man, we live in the the era of like no attention span. Yeah, that's true. So man. like, you really have to hit people in the mouth. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think one day Ben emailed me. Um, and he was just like, and I'd written a story, um, gosh, I can't even remember what it was about. Um, but he was just like, he just, he, uh, he sent me an email and it just said, it said something like that lead sucks. Mm. And, and it was just like, at first, you know, like the, the thing in you would want to be like, well, screw you, man. Yeah. Nice um, to hear from you. Ben. Yeah. Yeah. But, and this was when we were still working together, uh, yeah. but so it but knowing that he does it because he respects like who you are and knows what you can do as a writer, right, right. like that really lit a fire under my ass of like, yeah, don't settle, like don't yeah. don't settle. And so that when you ask like what your biggest challenge is and how you get better, it's just it's continuing to not accept anything that's less than what you feel you can do. Right? How how does the editorial process come into that? Like especially for you at the Athletic, my biggest complaint with the way I came up was that I was working hard enough and it was just good enough that people were like, okay, cool, we can publish that here. Yeah. But I knew, like, okay, it was good enough, but was it great? Like, I know I'm not great, so how do I get better? And, you know, even without him, like, we're really good friends, so I really have to dig for his true constructive criticism. Yeah. Do you have a, a – do you work with just one editor consistently? Editor? We, we have multiple editors. It sort of depends on what you're – like, if, if you're working on sort of like – for us, the structure is if you're working on a story that's sort of just like – you know, uh, it, it's it's just kind of a local story that's just going to be confined to, you know, the Denver page or the Nuggets page, whatever the case might be. Then yeah, we're working with our city editor, who was an editor that I worked with when I was at the Denver Post, um, and so so he'll we'll work with him. Um, you know, he'll give feedback here. He'll he'll you know ask you if, is this is this what you want to say here and um, offer some some suggestions in that fashion. Uh, but if if we're work, if I'm working on like a, maybe a bigger piece that's going to hit like the national NBA page, then then we have NBA editors who will then um, say, hey, let's you know I, I'm going to work with you on this story. Like, you know, what is you know what is your what's your goal with that? What's your goal? Yeah. Or, or like, let's you know what let's so so there's a little bit more in, in that regard too. Um, I think you know I, I think even at places that I feel like I've felt feel great about working here, I think there's even times. At places like this, where you're like, I, I would like that to be pushed on, you know, more more stories sometimes. Um, 
most writers probably would say like, yeah, I, I don't want I don't want that every day because it probably you know it probably feels exhausting, yeah. get a little bit exhausting. Um, so I, I try to. Again, my, my thing that I try to do when I finish a story is to like sit down with it for a second, read it again, and be like, especially with the lead, but throughout the story, like, can I make this better? Like, is there is there some way that this can be um, written written better? Um, and uh, have you ever have you ever just deleted a draft like um, altogether? Uh, an entire piece. I don't think I've ever deleted like an entire piece, but yeah. there's definitely been times where like I. Um, like just completely reworked it because that was something that I struggle with you know sometimes of like I, I still struggle with this sometimes of like all right how do I even decide on the structure of my story yeah like because I, I a lot of times I'm just like I just kind of like let it flow um and especially when I'm writing a profile like I I have like different things that I want to get to but I kind of just a lot of times I start writing and um and just sort of let it go from there, like let it flow from there. And, um, you know, but, but I think everybody has like a, a different process, uh, when they write. Now that's probably something that I would like to do more is just talk to, talk to people who write good profiles of like, how do you go into it? How do you, I mean, I'm always just, it, this is probably like in the weeds and kind of like nerdy, but I'm really interested in like the craft of how people go about deciding, you know, the different twists and turns they're going to make to get to what they're trying to get to. Like, do you, do you have it like a, you know, if you write a book, if you write a novel, like there, I, you know, I've read that there's all these like really intense processes that you're supposed to have, like from character development to like, you know, an outline of your story and right. then it condenses a little further into all that. this like pre-writing. Right. That by the time that you're like really getting into it, now you're just like putting details in. So, um, I don't write that way. I, I kind of write in more of like a, kind of like a flowing sort of style and you come back to and then I come back and say like okay here were the main things that I highlighted like did I hit this in this story because like the worst thing the, the feeling is to be like you wrote this really good profile and then you you look back and you're like shit I didn't put that in there like that was an important aspect and that's not like sometimes you'll get like a great quote and it just won't necessarily fit into your story but there, there are certain times where you like I need this biographical piece of information in the story somewhere um, so yeah, that, that's how I do it. I'm kind of just like let it flow and then come back and kind of like make sure everything is is in there and, and, and kind of fine tune the edges sometimes. But, but it's tough because there's always that moment where you decide, okay, it's good or it's good enough or I'm right. getting sent. And, right. And is it ever? You is know? it ever? No. Yeah. And, it's, and that's the thing too. Is like it's it's not. And then it, you work on something. You work on something for a while, and then like your your immediate thing turns to like, okay, what's what's the reception for it now? You know, like how how do people how do people feel about it? Does it, you know, does it move people? Does it, you know, whatever, especially if you write about a subject and you think that, that the story is going to mean something to them, like that's, you you know, that's when you feel like ho hopefully whether, whether they, you know, whether it said something critical or, or whatever, you know, did they think it was fair or, you know, that I did it in a way that, you know, again, was, was a fair process. I think you do a good job with it, man. I mean, I haven't read any of your stuff, but I yeah. people <laughs> but tell me it's you've great. Heard, you've heard, I'm yeah, subscribed. You've heard. I do support. <laughs> um, I, I did want to, towards the end of this pod, just go on a little mini tangent on my own. I think between the work that you've done, Gina, who we unfortunately lost, uh, Mike Singer at The Post, it's, it's cool, man, because I think that narrative of, oh, this team is undercovered and underrepresented in this town is, is changing. I mean, maybe not on the radio, 
but if you're paying attention and you're willing to pay a small subscription fee, there's really good coverage. And yeah. so I think Nuggets fans are lucky to have you on the beat. Oh, no, sure. and it's it's no, it's 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 everywhere. I mean, like Stiffs is Stiffs is I mean, you guys obviously um, like the podcasting is is a network that doesn't exist anywhere else. Um, you know, and you guys have uh, I mean, the best Twitter account. I half the time I'm like sitting next to Mike I'm just like pointing to some stiff's tweet and just like kind of laughing. The laughing good ones are off. me. The bad ones are, uh, are <laughs> not. someone else. Yeah. Um, so no, that's and that's what I think, man. Like di- people, people consume. Like we were talking about earlier, people consume content in so many ways. Like, you know, I do. I think that there's an audience for for the way that that I write, but it's not everybody's flavor. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. And, and you know, what somebody else writes might not be might be. S- s- perfect like content sandwich for somebody and you know it's like uh, escargot to somebody else <laughs> content um, sandwich so so yeah man I, I think that's that's what's cool it's, it's cool that there's a lot of a lot of young I think journalists and that uh, that care about the you know about the craft and about the subject that they're covering so it's fun it's a fun environment it's a great community and it's fun that like let's be honest like people always say <clears throat> I mean it absolutely is true like whether a team is good or bad doesn't like doesn't change your job um but like it it helps when a team is good because it's i mean there's more stories to be told um there is uh there's just more interest like let's be honest i mean yeah 100 like altitude tv like their ratings this year have gone like through the roof i think they have the biggest year-over-year local growth of any media market in the league um but would that be happening if the team was trash? Yeah. Like it, you know. So, you know, if, if we're doing if we're doing well journalistically in terms of like the traffic, you know, some of that has to do with oh, there's the no team doubt about doing it. well. Like, and it would be hard to. I mean, this is something I, I aspire to. Like, it is the dream without a doubt. Love it. But if if I was covering the Kevin Loveless Cleveland Cavaliers, right? Yeah. And maybe there wasn't also you and Adam and TJ and Harrison, like it would be a different animal. Yeah. You know, it would probably would not be as fun. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to wrap these up with a segment called About the Authors. I just kind of ask you questions a little more rapid style. Uh, the piece you've written in your career that you're the most proud of? Um, it was a piece called Everything Matters. Uh, I was at the Denver Post and we spent, uh, myself and our videographer, Aaron Ontiveros, um, we spent an entire season with this inner city high school football team called Adam City um, that they had not they hadn't won a game in I think four years and so we we embedded ourselves with this team for an entire season they had hired a brand new coach at the start of the season a former marine named Dan Jasic and um, we just spent the whole season with these guys and watched them like turn around their team they hadn't won a game in uh, four years, they ended up winning four out of their first five games of this season and really just like changed the whole energy around this school. Um, and it was, it was the most rewarding piece of work I've ever done just because of how much time was put into it and, and how real it was and how raw it was. Um, and, you know, you know, we won some awards for it, which, is always, which was always great. But it, more than that, it was like we got to tell, we got to tell this, these stories of these kids that nobody cared about right Right. and to me that that's what's so cool about this is like we see all these stars in the league you know or in other sports but to to do something like that it was it was really cool because it it shined a light on you know a a community of athletes that nobody knew about doesn't get any play yeah 
Uh, most embarrassing moment as a media member. Oh, dang. Shoot. I ask everyone this for what it's worth. Oh, no, that's great. Um, gosh. Most embarrassing moment. Oh, my gosh. Can we come back to that one at the end? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'm going to think about that. Favorite non-sports-related way to kill time? Um, just probably watch TV with my wife. Yeah. Um, yeah, like we're we're cramming Game of Thrones right now, so we're ready for April. And the rewatch. <laughs> and you got a kid on the way. Got a kid on the way. So that, yeah, ask me that again in two months and... Um, <laughs> there will be no yeah, answers. there will be no answers. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, the next question was about fatherhood. Uh, don't worry, I don't think your wife will listen to this. Where is your excitement to fear ratio on fatherhood? Oh, man, that's <laughs> a great question. I, I think it's a one-to-one. Yeah. Like, it's a one-to-one ratio. Like, um, you know, so... Uh, it's no like, it's no Monte Morris, like excitement to terror ratio. It's not six to one. It's like, it's in a much more average point guard level. Okay. Um, yeah. So it, no, it's totally. You know, you're totally thrilled. Um, I can't wait to be a father. But yeah, until until he's here and you know and just ready to go, you're just like gonna be you always angst, have that right? you know anxiety, especially now we're like nine weeks away. So it's pretty crazy. And uh, follow-up question: Will you name him after me? <laughs> That's like my all, like I had another buddy that just said uh, told me on Twitter he's like, um, what? Oh, I think I no, it was on Instagram. I posted a picture uh, of of Caitlin, my wife, and said, "Well, like we're nine weeks away." He's like, "I'm still just so honored that you decided to name him <laughs> Cody Cosmeyer." <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Uh, so yeah, so don't feel bad. I'm not naming it after him either. All right, it, I'm just saying Brendan's like a. It's an underrated name. It is. It's, it's a, a it's, strong. It's a, it's a strong. Yeah. It's a strong name. Um, all right, man. I'm out of questions. Yeah. Thanks for I'm coming. Gonna, on, I'm man. gonna just have to tell you. I, I, I the embarrassing thing. I just. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, man. There's a lot of them. Like I, I feel like when you're when you're a young journalist and you're like first learning this thing, it's almost like. Um, it's almost like growing pains. Like oh, you're, dude. you just like do things, and you I, look back and you're like, I'm a dummy. I can't I, believe I asked that. I think my third week credentialed, I asked Malone about Richard Jefferson before he could speak on it yet. And oh. I was like, sick, awesome. <laughs> this is going great. Yeah, no, but that like on it, and then you look back on that stuff though, and you're like, oh, it's really funny. I think, oh man, yeah, I, just, I can't think of anything like offhand, but I, I just know there's. It's almost like awkward dating moments. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? like <laughs> you're like first dating, like learning how to do that, and you like. You know, you kind of like first hold a girl's hand. Like that's that's the way I view it. Of just like uh, you're you're a fish out of water for a while. Yeah, man. It's I think people. I think the number one thing people don't get about our job is it is a way different. It is way harder than you think to ask a question that doesn't like bother someone. Whether that's the fan, the player, the coach, or or but still gives you what you need as a writer. Yeah. Like there is really no such thing as a good question because everyone wants different things. You know. Yeah, yeah. You're and yeah, you're not. You again, you can't. Like you can't be just doing it to, to serve one audience or you know to serve one thing or the other. Like you kind of have to figure out the way that you do it right. best and what's true to you, and and, and um, you know just kind of use that as your as your guide to do the job. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, man. Fun. Thanks for coming over. I mean, it's a nice uh, our 1970s billiards room. Yeah, here. I was gonna say that action. door was like <laughs> like 1800s. No, thanks for seriously, man. Uh, it's been really cool getting to know you. You've done a great job on on this beat. So appreciate you, man. Yeah. Same, same to you. Where do you, where do you think we're gonna go to a training camp next year? It'd be really cool if it was just in Denver. Like if they just <laughs> built a second court. Yeah, and that'd be nice. That would be that would be really nice. Uh, it it all, I mean San Diego was definitely a blast, um, but it'd probably be cheaper and easier for everybody if we didn't have to. Uh, 
I think our, but I, it's not going to be here. We got our bonding time in. I don't know if we need another <laughs> six days we, we had of skinning cats. <laughs> we had enough. Um, what's Metaphorically, next? of course. What's, do you have anything coming out that you want to plug? Or um, just... Well, I just, I mean, I just have a piece up today about like, um, you know, some of these symptoms that, that are, I think, at the heart of this three-game losing streak or, you know, look, Isaiah Thomas is not playing well. That's the one area that I, you know, I disagreed with Michael Malone. Like, he was pointing to Isaiah Thomas's performance against the Pelicans and said, I thought he played well. He, he didn't. I mean, yeah. he was... I think you know, we know what Malone's doing there. We absolutely. So, but but he but what, that's what I was gonna say is that he is right though that it's it's not like all of this going on is not just on Isaiah Thomas. Like there's a lot of things, and so I just kind of laid out some of the issues that I think the Nuggets are facing. Um, but uh, I have a big project that I've been working on that I'm not gonna give away just yet. That's gonna come out like right before the Nuggets get into the playoffs. Um, so keep your eye out. You heard it here first. Nick Cosmer of the Athletic. Thanks again, man. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate you.